This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. All right, Rob, what did you want to troll me about? Well, I got to tell you, are you familiar with this Sean Ross Sapp fella? I, I am. I think we've both uh, we've both been his uh, tag team partner at one time. This uh, this Sean Ross Sapp fella over at Fightful.com wrote a headline this week about a tag team that I believe, Jeff, you quite enjoy named The Revival. Jeff, let me ask you something. Do you think there, there are those in WWE that would describe themselves as fearful with fear that the revival may leave WWE? Would that be – would you be, if you were in WWE, fearful, fearful that the revival might leave your company? Well, what do I do? What am I going to do if Dash and Dawson quit? Jeff, do you think that's accurate? I don't think it's accurate in the way you're describing it, but I think it's somewhat accurate. Fearful! I'll tell you why. Let's say Dash and Dawson do leave the WWE. And they oh, end- I'd be afraid. Well, shut up. Shut up for a second here. <laughs> <laughs> and they end up having really good contracts and really good matches in AEW, which is where they'll probably end up. Then you're going to start getting other employees who are going to be like, hey, look. I want out too because they're doing okay and you're not using me right now. What it does is it starts a chain reaction, so to speak. That's why they're fearful. They're not fearful because the loss of Dash and Dawson, as bad as it is for the tag division, as I think it is, but then again, they don't even think they they have a tag division because (laughs) they don't care about tag team wrestling. But I could see them being fearful that, okay, these two leave and they end up better off. What's that going to do for morale here? What's that going to do for our lower card? Who that might, that might be? We might actually have to, you know, build them. So yeah, I could see them being a bit fearful of that. I can understand the fear of okay, if this is the start, like what happens when the bigger names want to go? What happens if we lose some bigger names that are friends with Cody and the Young Bucks that decide eventually to go their way, and now. Some of these main stars we've been building up leave. I can understand all that. I just found it was fun. Nothing against Sean Ross Sapp. Brilliant. Nothing against the revival. I like the revival. Oh, the no, revival no, no, no. Fine. If you're gonna troll not- me, if you're gonna troll me, I'm gonna troll you're starting trouble with Sean Ross Sapp. What do you have against Fightful, Rob McCarron? Why do you hate Fightful so much? Have they been getting enough raw <laughs> script scoops lately? Not enough of those scoops, maybe. They have to uh, go and talk about fear in the uh, WWE personnel office about the revival of all people. I just, I, I like the revival. Nice little tag team, fun little matches. I would not describe myself if I was working for WWE as fearful that they would be leaving. I would describe myself more as good riddance. Hey, we got some <laughs> spots for the rest of all these guys that we keep signing for no reason. Uh, I, I wouldn't describe myself as fearful. I just saw that headline this weekend and I was, or this week. And was a little uh, startled, surprised, adrift at the uh, description. It was fearful of the revival leaving. Well, the word um, is, well, I'll tell you how concerned they are. Apparently, there's yeah, a report. Okay. There's a report that they've been told, "Hey, just give it three months, 
and see if it improves. Give it three months. See if it improves. See if what improves? Because you know what happens <laughs> in three months? There's a little show called WrestleMania. A WrestleMania where either they're going to be on the show in a battle royal or they're not going to be on the show. Because you think Revival's getting a match on the main card? No. I think they might get and a tag team title match. Week. They might get a tag team title oh. match out of this. Yeah, who will be the tag team champions at that point? Fruit and Gable. Oh, yeah, you think so. You think they're going to be still <laughs> tag team champions all the way. At this point, I would not be surprised if Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush are the tag team champions. I would not be surprised if Seth Rollins is the tag team champions by himself again. I would not be surprised, sir, if somehow Brock Lesnar gets those tag team titles. <laughs> Actually, that I'd be a little surprised at. That's the one thing I would have some surprise at. You know who I think the tag team champions will be at that time? Brock and Nicholas. I know. <laughs> Otis and Tucker. For no other reason than let's get Otis on TV saying, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That, was, <laughs> that was actually my favorite part of Monday night was you texting me about Otis on TV. That's what brought me back. That's what brought me back. Not for a positive reason. I'm looking at this, and I, I turned the TV off immediately. I had to. I'm like, I want to see this Alexa segment. I want to see this Paul Heyman say, oh, Otis is there. Better flip that channel, make it look like I watch real TV. <laughs> so so we're going to have to add a third episode of Shake the Ropes per week for Rob's hot takes now, right? Well, let's just call it the Otis segment watch. The Otis segment. I mean, it really. You will be the official Voices of Wrestling slash Shake Them Ropes Otis watcher. Oh, great. What a niche I've carved for myself here, haven't I? <laughs> I tell you one thing, though. The moment they get Otis on screen with Kevin Owens, that might be magic. Oh, no. They're going to do two. F- well, no, because uh, I don't know. Kevin oh, Owens is yeah, slimmed down. Oh, yeah, lady. Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> do more Shake Them Ropes theater for me. Come on. Well, he only has the one line. What else am I supposed to do? Oh, you didn't, and then he shows you didn't up see him on SmackDown. On, oh, did you see the SmackDown segment? I was about to ask you. Okay. Then he does SmackDown because I watch SmackDown for the Becky segments. My wife knows this by now. Like, I, literally, I just watch SmackDown and, like, I'll start it an hour into the show and I'll just go through the DVR and stop when Becky's on TV. And that's it. That's what I'll do. Like, I, I was tempted a little bit this week to watch a little of Andrade blank blank versus Rey Mysterio. A little bit. A little bit intrigued. But uh, no, I skipped ahead to the Becky Lynch segments. A, l- a little surprise, sir, that Becky Lynch did get the Asuka match at the Royal Rumble. I Because what what do you do? Do you have her win again? Do you, ha- do you beat Asuka again? Do you have Charlotte maybe come down and interfere? And if you do, then we know Charlotte's getting in that WrestleMania main event. And then if Charlotte's in the match, does that main event the show? Do you main event WrestleMania with Becky versus Charlotte versus Ronda Rousey? Jeff, I ask you, is this WrestleMania going to be the greatest of all time? <laughs> I think Becky loses to Asuka, enters the Rumble, and wins. Look at this stacked Royal Rumble show, by the way. Mm-hmm. This this is one of the all-time greats going in. And it was made better. How can you, how can you say that? There's nothing in it. Are you serious? Are you serious, bro? You got the men's and the women's rumbles bound for a great <laughs> oh, time. What did we have last year watching that men's and women's? Oh Royal no, it, it was a blast. The whole show was a blast. Look, I, I thought I thought you said mania. The rumble card's the good. 
Royal Rumble. Royal Rumble is going to be the greatest Royal Rumble of all time. I mean, book it right now. I don't even need to watch the show. I don't even need to watch it. Look, I just know it's going to be the greatest of all time. Look at the worst match on this show. <laughs> worst match on this show, Jeff Hawkins. Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles. Worst match on the show. Not the Cruiserweight four-way? That's probably Shane McMahon's tag. Okay. <laughs> is this show and you're gonna have you're gonna have so many people coming back i mean you're gonna have a lunger blaze in the women's rumble you're gonna have carlito in the men's rumble i mean it, it, johnny nitro showing up so oh, this is gonna be unbelievable hey i got two extra tickets you and your wife can fly out to phoenix and come with us all right tickets to phoenix oh ooh, a little a little uh steep on short notice i would say okay uh, yeah. But this is going to be a fun show. I mean, all kidding aside, this the card going into it is looking real, real tasty. And it got better when Finn Balor got in the title match and Braun Strowman out. I do laugh at the reasons being purported yeah. for the reasons Braun Strowman's going out. Like Vince McMahon all of a sudden realized, oh, do we really want to have Braun lose again? Do we really want to have him get beat by Brock Lesnar again? Maybe think about that before putting Braun Strowman in the match. But also, what does that say for WrestleMania? Because if Braun Strowman is not the WrestleMania opponent for Brock Lesnar, that tells me that Brock Lesnar's winning whatever match he's in at WrestleMania. The point I made was that they actually thought that a travel show would be more enticing for Braun versus Brock than than a properly built-up redemption story for Finn versus Brock. Oh, yeah. I mean, it saddens me a little bit that the Finn storyline is pushed to this two-week time period. Because if Braun was going to lose to Brock Lesnar, it's not like they're deciding, oh, we got to change it. We got to put Finn in there and Finn's going to win. You hope, like the AJ Styles match, like the Daniel Bryan match, that yes, he's going to lose, but he looks good in there with Brock to up the stature of him as a bona fide main eventer again. Because once Brock leaves for the UFC or whatever he ends up doing this summer, uh, if Kevin Owens isn't back in that title picture, if you do a swap with Raw and SmackDown, you're going to need Finn Balor with what you have right now. You're going to need Finn Balor to be a top level guy. And uh, he's he's been all right. He's been an upper mid-card guy. It's not like this guy's losing to everybody by any means. But you're going to need him to have qualified main event status. And a good showing against Brock Lesnar in a good match could be that way. Uh, I don't think he has to win the title. I want to see what Brock does at WrestleMania. And uh, all I hope is for a good showing. But that match, I feel like, could be really good. I mean, we're past the days of thinking that every Brock match is going to be a squash. He's not going to go in there and squash Daniel Bryan. No. Not going to go in there and squash AJ Styles. He's not going to go in there and squash Finn Balor. Finn Balor's going to have some hope spots. Finn Balor's going to hit that uh, coup de grace from the top. Everyone's going to go nuts. And then Brock Lesnar's going to pop up and hit his F5 and get the win. We know what's coming, but it's still going to be a fun show. And that's not even the most important match on the show. Because the most important matches are the, the Royal Rumble matches and also Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles. So there is really important stuff on this show. Ronda Rousey and Sasha Banks. I know the same kind of principle there. You know Ronda Rousey's going to win, but you're hoping for a good showing from Sasha Banks to put her back in the main title picture. Uh, it's it's going to be a really excellent event. I can't wait for it. It's going to be five hours long. I'm going to be very tired during that the bar business <laughs> Shane McMahon match, but it's going to be a good show. And the question I have for you, Jeff, mm-hmm. Is Will Cody and the Young Bucks stop by on their road to double or nothing? <laughs> you never know where these guys are going to show up this point. They were in, this is crazy. They were here in L.A. last night. so um, They were. Yeah. They doing their little teases. I mean, this is the summer of punk Cody and Young Bucks style. Because they got until May 
before their new promotion kicks off. So they're just going to show up at these little indies, you know, generate some buzz. People are going to want to see them in these matches. You don't know what they're going to do. This is a good strategy of viral marketing for the next four months, getting people ready for a legit Cody and Young Bucks match if they ever want to see one again. Like, this is this is a good thing. Show up on a Wednesday night in Los Angeles at a small show. Show up in Nashville on a Friday night show with the main I, – I don't even know who's headlining cards in Nashville these days, but go out there and super kick some people. This is a good strategy from, uh, from the all-in guys. Yeah, Royal Rumble, by the way, two-for-one tickets for the taking if you want it. Well, it's um, Chase Field. You think you were going to yeah. sell out that place? That was awfully lofty of them. Yeah. Did you have you uh, that? We watched uh, Chris and I are going to talk about NXT UK Takeover uh, later. Oh, I watched. Oh, did I, you? I watched it. You know who I'm a big fan of. You know who my new NXT go to is. It better be this- the Wild Boar Mike Hitchman because that's who the official mascot of this show is. But go ahead. I don't know who that is, <laughs> but I will tell you this. Rhea Ripley is hmm. going to be a star. Yeah, this Rhea she's, Ripley. she's she's really good. Um, she's oh, still a bit green, but uh, oh, sure, sure. But this Rhea Ripley has uh, has a lot of positivity coming her way. And when the age of the Ronda Rouseys are over, uh, when you don't know what you're doing with uh, if you're going to put Charlotte and Sasha Banks in the main cards all these times, uh, Ray Ripley could be a good foil for somebody. I think Ray Ripley is going to be something huge. Walter looks legit. He is. I mean, he's great. Every time I've seen him, he's great. I'm looking forward to him chopping the hell out of, like, people on his way in. And I wouldn't be surprised if they put him in the Rumble just as a, oh. as a guy to throw people out. Have him come over. It looks like, Yeah, have him come over because this guy is going to look even more legit when he's in the ring with all these NXT UK munchkins. I mean, this guy, <laughs> the, the standout, he would go into NXT right now and be the standout guy, I feel. Like, Matt Riddle has a little bit of that, but Walter walks into an NXT ring, I think he looks legit. He's also the prototypical guy that would dominate, you know, the NXTs, the NXT UKs, uh, you know, give him a couple main card matches, but try to put him in with the main eventers on a, on a Raw or SmackDown, and he would just look like another guy. Well, they offered, like, him, and- they offered him main roster, and he said he wanted to stay in Europe, so I think this is, you know, a, a really good place for him, for the most part, and do maybe a couple of shots occasionally on a real NXT takeover or like a Royal Rumble surprise entrant type thing. Uh, he also knows the role. He, he made the wise move staying in the UK because you can be that big fish. You can mm-hmm. gain a lot of and if he ever does want to go to the US and be on the main roster, you're going to come from a much stronger place than just trying to be on the main roster right now with no buzz behind you. So I, that's a smart move for him. It also I mean it goes into the Mike Kanellis and Maria news. It goes into like when you go with little buzz to the main roster and try to play off of whatever little fame you had on the indies, doesn't always work out well. You start getting a bigger buzz in the WWE world, start impressing Vince McMahon and Triple H like a Kevin Owens did. You, you start having more buzz behind you, and you're going to have a stronger position when you finally get to WWE because they've seen you do it in their company and not just seen you do it in these small indies every which way. Any thoughts uh, before I let you go on uh, NXT TakeOver Phoenix? NXT t- TakeOver Phoenix, I'm super hyped about. Don't know any of the matches on the card. <laughs> I think John Gargano is going for a championship because why wouldn't he well, be? Well, I'll, I'll give you the rundown. I'll give you the rundown. Give me, give me the rundown of NXT TakeOver Phoenix. Let me ask you this, Jeff. <laughs> is the Revival on the show? No, they, no, they are unfortunately not on the show. Um, well, well, 
probably quit then. Okay, so so your title match, your main title match is Ciampa versus Aleister Black. Aleister Black going in, defending his NXT shit. That's a joke. I'm kidding. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa, Aleister Black, super hyped about. Aleister Black has shown me something. Let's be real, mm-hmm. okay? I know no one was on this guy's bandwagon. No one thought he was going to do anything in NXT. I told all you guys that this Aleister Black's a big deal. He's going to be something, and I'm being proven right because this guy's come a long way in the last year. Uh, Matt Riddle's taking on Cassius Ono. Really? You didn't push back at all on me on that? No, I didn't. Everything I just said was completely BS. Oh, I know it was. I, I'm, I'm just letting okay. it go sometimes. Long time <laughs> listeners. Shake them ropes now. Uh, Shayna Baszler, Bianca Belair. That's uh, you what I'm You to start for. with Matt Riddle and Cassius Ono. I no. get it. I get it. You're the host of the show. It's your playground. I just want to play in the sand. I just wanted a little thoughts. I, I, didn't even want to, I didn't even want to break down on the card. I just was wondering if you had any thoughts. But, okay, you seem to know have, the card now. I have, uh, well, Wikipedia is a hell of a drug. <laughs> All right. Matt Riddle and Cassius Ono. Excellent. Super hyped about that. Uh, it's going to get more time. It's going to be, you know, one of these Matt Riddle specials, the showcase. Finally give him a real match to, to sink his teeth into. Should be good. Ricochet, Johnny Gargano for the North American title. Super hyped about it. Johnny Gargano goes out there, puts on a good show. Ricochet, he's not too shabby by the cell. Uh, the Undisputed Era, Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong going up against the War Raiders. The worst match going in on paper. But you know who's really good? Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong. Mm-hmm. And let me ask you this, Jeff. No Adam Cole on the show surprised a little a little surprised adam cole he'll probably be at ringside they'll probably do some stuff but i'm a little surprised that he's not on the show Shayna baszler bianca belair jeff it's time it's time for bianca belair to take this title run this division this year and put Shayna baszler in the ronda rousey program you had sasha banks tease on raw the little four horsewomen like who's the real four horsewomen uh now you can't really put charlotte and becky in the program with Sasha because, you know, they have their own thing going. Becky's kind of like the big deal right now, which is excellent. Have I told you, Jeff, that I only watch SmackDown for Becky Lynch? Uh, I believe you said that at one time. All right. Well, it's still true. It's still true. This minute, I only watch SmackDown for Becky Lynch. I might go rewatch a little Becky Lynch later on. How great was Xavier Woods in that segment, by the way? Looking, just gazing upon his hero, Becky Lynch, with a man shirt on. It was great. Xavier Woods, great prop player. Uh, Tommaso champion Aleister Black, excellent match. Do you think Aleister Black retains or regains the championship here heading into whatever WrestleMania match they have? No, because I think I think they're still going to pivot to another Ciampa Gargano match. Ciampa Gargano. It, it's been funny. They've been teaming up on the little NXT house shows. Uh, they haven't gone you know full bore into any type of reunion, so we got to see them break up. But I am interested in the TV with uh, with um, what's uh, Candice. Candace trying to talk some sense into Johnny, like, hey, this guy tried to ruin you, tried to ruin us. Maybe let's not just willy-nilly get back into bed with him, right? Like, I, I like the little storyline of uh, some back and forth there with uh, Gargano and Champa. Really- NXT's, in- NXT's in an interesting period heading to WrestleMania because I feel like they're a li- in a little bit of a lull, but they're going to get a big infuse of talent. Where's all this talent going to go, Jeff? Like, you're Mike Kanellis. You want to leave? You're the revival you want to leave? Because you're in this bottomless <laughs> pit with all these people. And you're just trying to get out of it, Batman style, and the Dark Knight Returns. And you're like, what am I doing here? I can't get past the main event scene. I'm surprised Zack Ryder has lasted as long as he has, to be honest. And and finally, before I let you go, I'd be remiss if I did not ask, where do you think Tino Sabatelli ends up in 2019? Who? 
like to thank our special guest Rob McCarron for joining us back here with with my new dad, Christopher Brito. Why doesn't my old dad love me? Why did he go out for cigarettes and never come back? This is what? not how you endear yourself to your new father, Jeff. <laughs> uh, we're here to talk about NXT UK TakeOver and the fallout from that, plus NXT and any 205 Live that uh, may come up. Uh, most of the first 20 minutes will serve as the cleanup, but I am going to take a victory lap, Chris. I'm going to take one of the bigger victory laps that I have ever taken because I called this. When they, even even when he was getting into the indies, I said, WWE is on that first meeting of Matt Riddle are, gonna, are going to peg him as a Jeff Spicoli type. Guess what? Out today in, a, in the midst of the media, Matthew Riddle may seem like a Jeff Spicoli with arm bars. I'm just like, oh my god, <laughs> this was this was the easiest slam dunk in the history of slam dunks. Is that they just see him as some sort of <laughs> pothead, spaced out weirdo, as opposed to a main kind of guy. And I and I said that the uh, the cure for this would be break Vince McMahon's arm if he dresses you down. That's what I thought he should do, but I could not believe I saw that today. I was just, like, gobsmacked. So I want to take a victory lap on colleague Humberto Carrillo successfully last week when we discussed who Buddy Murphy's guest opponent might be. Humberto Carrillo had a uh, appearance there. He had an appearance on um, NXT, on NXT as well. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. Been, it's it was been Humberto week. Carrillo week. Yeah, I, I actually think that that was kind of nicely timed. Uh, obviously, on two hundred five live, they knew that the NXT with Carrillo was going to air, so like it ended up giving him a nice amount of exposure. Uh, it did. I thought he looked number one. I thought he looked much better on NXT than he did on two hundred five live. I thought uh, I thought the two hundred five live match with Buddy Murphy was good, but I think it came off a little bit too. In in my in Jeff Hawkins jargon, uh, amusement park stunt show like it looked more like a dance than it did a fight in some ways. Yeah, it really didn't look all that crisp. Um, I think doing, I think it, it's so weird because they they debuted him in front of the two hundred five live crowd, a notoriously dead crowd. By the time they get to taping that show. And nobody knows who Humberto Carrillo is other than people who are NXT completists. And I don't think even NXT completists know who this guy is half the time. No, I mean, because otherwise we have seen him in a handful of tag matches where he's had a few spots where he's looked all right. But he has worked exclusively as enhancement talent. Yeah, and, and I just don't know. I mean, were they expecting them to get behind him because he was... Challenging the champ. I'm, th- this these audiences are not. Oh, it's it's so weird because they were booking it like an old school territory debut when they know that these audiences have, have been conditioned to the sports entertainment type and they're already working against two hundred five live in some ways. I, I I thought you needed a little bit more than this. You know what would have allowed them to keep the surprise storyline but give Carrillo a little bit more pop with the crowd when he finally arrives is Buddy Murphy gets into the ring 
And then we go to the Titantron, which shows us a quick 90-second video package on Carrillo. That's and a all great the cool high-flying high moves that he can do. And then out comes Carrillo. That's a great idea. I, I, yeah, I give, give the audience, hey, this guy is something. Here he is, as opposed to the music and his name. Because they need like, to know what to look for. We've talked yeah. about this before. They've had other incidences where they have wrestlers out there, and the audience doesn't even know what moves to be on the look for yep. for cues. And, and especially with Carrillo, what you want people to be looking for are his unbelievably finisher. Yeah. his finisher and his really great drop kicks. You want to make that the showcase. He has a great drop kick. Oh yeah, no, he, he, he I, I I really enjoyed his match with Gargano and and it was weird because I I think they were thinking maybe that the that the NXT episode was going to air before this and maybe they just got their timing mixed up, but that seems I mean that that's 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 stretching credulity right there a little bit. Um I don't know. Actually, isn't the whole deal like this week's 205 Live was back at the original live Tuesday night slot? Yes. So yes. maybe that was a thing that they were thinking. I, I, I still, even if they had followed that, that would have worked good for someone watching it on TV, but someone doing it live, it wouldn't have worked and it wouldn't have fixed anything for the live audience. No, and uh, no, and... uh <sighs> I mean, I hope he's just not another guy now on on this roster. But uh, I hope you know. not. I I mean, like the way I look at this to go glass half full is that at the end of his match with Buddy Murphy, that two hundred five live crowd, which notoriously sucks to work in front of, was at least appreciative of the effort of Carrillo. Uh yeah. So I like. I think if they handle it better, he will do better, and he can do better. They love doing that old gladiator thing where it's like, yes, win the crowd and you've won them forever or whatever type thing. And I don't know if that's necessarily true with the the, the fickleness of sports entertainment crowds in, in the this day and time. But you know what? I'm happy for them. I I think. I mean, they're they're trying to. I mean, the they didn't put them hard over hard on commentary other than the uh Hector Garza connection. Yeah, I was gonna say the Hector Garza thing was the biggest like, but but even that you need this But nobody is where the knows who the hell Hector Garza right. is watching this WCW's Hector Garza. It's like Okay, am I supposed to go watch some Hector Garza matches then? If I'm he a- wasn't even that showcased on WCW. Yeah, he, he was he had like a he was lower mid card. He wasn't like pure lower. He was card. in the opening hour of Nitro with the other Luchadors for the most part, doing really fantastic things. And I think one of his most memorable spots was the fact that he eliminated himself from a battle royal doing a top rope spot out of the floor. And everybody kind of, and then they buried him on commentary for it. But but this is where the video package is, right? So, like, you have the video package of Hector Garza working in WCW. And then you have him with Humberto Carrillo. And you have Humberto Carrillo training. Like, this is not a hard video package. I'm not, you know, reinventing the wheel here. But give this guy roots. So that the crowd knows why we should care. So what do you think of NXT UK TakeOver? I think that NXT UK still needs some work. I think that Walter is a very positive development for the brand. Because we were discussing on the last one, how do they move on from Pete Dunne? Not because Pete Dunne is bad or can't continue to be the champion, but... 
Pete Dunn, I think it's time for him to move on to bigger and better things. And, and Walter is Walter is a top of the card, looks like a champion guy. And it moved us out of the swamp that was kind of gallus. So I'm cool with that. That was an interesting way to get, basically say, yeah, Gallus, you're no longer the main uh, threat around here. Yeah, Just boy. Like, it was, the, the, I mean, it was bad for Joe Coffey, right? Like, Joe Coffey yeah. comes out. He works his ass off. I like Joe Coffey a lot. I The main event was a really fun pairing of Joe Coffey, this this strong guy, and Pete Dunn has to break down Joe Coffey. And, it, it like, that pairing was kind of fresh for me. Uh, you don't see those two types of wrestlers clashing a whole lot, especially with that particular babyface heel dynamic. Dunn's cool like that. Uh, I, I liked the match. I thought the actual finishing move was kind of a weird place to go where he just breaks someone's yeah. finger, and it was like, oh, well, couldn't you have done that the whole time then? Just break his finger. Um, I, I thought that the, the right idea was there with those bitter ends and doing a sequence of those bitter ends. They, they worked their asses off. It was a good match, a little bit too long to my taste. Uh, it could have been about five minutes shorter and been better, but, but a very good match. I, I like that a lot. Yeah, overall, I like the card, but for me, and I'll include uh, this week's NXT UK in with it, both tag team matches I thought were fantastic. I, I yes. liked the I I liked Zach Gibson and James Drake versus Mustache Mountain. I thought Mustache Mountain's gear was phenomenal. I f- thank you whoever whoever came up with that uh, color scheme and uh, long tights on them. I thought it looked really really cool. And then on the NXT UK Takeover, the Marcel Bartel and Fabian Eichner versus uh, Mandrews and Flash Morgan Webster match was a fun little sprint as well. I am hoping that that Walter and Marcel Bartel and Fabian Eichner are a stable. Oh, because, yes, yeah. Well, because Bartel is, uh, before coming in when he was Axel Dieter, he was part of Ring Comp along with Walter and uh, Timothy Thatcher. So I'm, I'm hoping that that's, that becomes a nice little unit there. That, that I think, would be really, really cool. But both tag team matches, I, I absolutely adored. I have uh, Trent Seven may be the best babyface in peril in the company, and pound for pound, there's nobody I like watching do feats of strength more than Tyler Bate. I, I really enjoyed both. And and you know what? Gibson and Drake, I don't want to take away from them. because they No, had no, no. They match. were really good, and they were really good with the subtle dynamics. So Gibson is a driven, pure heel, whereas... Drake gave just little flashes of wanting this and having like that pure fire element about him. Still very much worked as a heel, still finished things out, but like did those little extra baby face fire things occasionally to help his team win. And the 450 looked awesome and it was a great spot. Yeah, I was a little shocked that uh, Gibson and Drake won the belts, but I think, you know what, Mustache Mountain don't really need them just yet. Right, right. Well, I, I, I think we just completely misread what they were going to do with Gallus. I, I, I kind of feel bad for those guys. I don't know what they're going to do. Well, I mean, we were. I don't think either of us were expecting Walter to show up after the uh, Chiron, <laughs> which, again, I shut it off, and I go, well, what if something happened right after? So I turned it right back. I went, damn it, they did it again to me. Why? <laughs> um. Going through, I'll go through the rest of the card one by one. Uh, Legero defeated Saxon Huxley. I, 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 I have more respect for Saxon Huxley now, learning that he was a Lance Storm student. 
But I still think he looks more like he he looks like a goofy Bruiser Brody clone that is kind of lost. It, it was he a heel this week or is he a face? He was a heel in this match. Oh, okay, good, good. Um, Bartel and Eichner defeated Mandrews and Flash Morgan Webster. Uh, we can also go. Yeah, I, I I think this was a nice little follow up to their NXT match as well. If if you're gonna go full on continuity. Where they were, where they were doing uh, the power moves on Mark Andrews here. I think Mark Andrews is a perfect guy for that. So Absolutely, that, that, that's yeah. the other thing I really like. Uh, Ginny, yes, Slay Queen defeated Isla Dawn. Love me some Ginny. Looking forward to more Ginny Tony Storm matches. Looking forward to Ginny just dressing down and being generally too good for too cool for school. Love me some Ginny. Uh, this match was okay. Um, there's something about watching beginning women's matches for me that takes me a little bit out of it because Isla Dawn is still very, very green where it's like you, you make the yeah sound every time you do something and it's like it doesn't even look that harsh, but you're shouting it anyways. I, I think she has a little bit of that going, but uh, love me some Ginny. Any thoughts on that one, or should I just keep going? Yeah, keep going, keep going. I don't, I don't okay. have anything to add. Uh, the Gibson-Drake Mustache Mountain match we went through. Uh, Jordan Devlin takes out uh, the Kiwi buzzsaw Travis Banks, and we get a surprise appearance by one Finn Balor, who, in my opinion, wrestled a very non-WWE Finn Balory type match. Looked like he got to open up some of the some of the playbook a little bit against him. Yes, I did tweet the Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man meme. I don't care if it's a hack joke. I found it funny. Um, but a really strong match, I thought. Um, I, I, I liked this one quite a bit, and I liked that... Uh, I, I, I don't... I'm a little... I actually liked the whole angle, too. I, I thought that the angle gave the sh- show a little bit of extra flavor that it needed to keep it from feeling samey like that and the no disqualification match were really good changes of pace well let me throw this at you is finn balor for lack of a better term too big for nxt uk in this spot yeah beating a yeah, guy yeah no, he that, totally that's is. going up on the ladder yes i i thought this is a mishandling of jordan devlin right like we're trying to rebuild this guy and having finn balor come in and beat jordan devlin and i mean they tried to put it over as ah there's a sign of respect there or whatever but devlin really after losing to pete dunn devlin needs to n- not be losing oh i'll up it a bit more it's 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 an absolute lack of well i won't say lack of faith because that's the wrong term but it's and it's not a burial per se but what does this do to Travis Banks? <laughs> we're here saying we're taking you off the show to put Finn Balor on there. You know, I mean, that's not good, but they did explain it with an injury angle. Yeah. I, I mean, at least he can come back and beat Jordan Devlin. And and then when Jordan Devlin gets beaten by the Kiwi Buzz, so I, I mean, I guess that's the question is the next we go into the loser's bracket. Whoever loses the eventual match between Travis Banks and Jordan Devlin, yes, they've now lost twice. Dave Mastiff defeated Eddie Dennis in a no-disqualification match. I was, I guess flummoxed is the right word for it, because I'm watching this, and I'm going, what story are they telling me? And it felt weird, because to me, I was watching this, and I'm going, are they just telling the story of Eddie Dennis being much stronger than he looks? 
throughout this entire match? Because that's what it felt like. Yeah, I had a two guys having a match experience with this. Because at, at first I was like, are we like slow turning Eddie? And the crowd was chanting for Eddie. And then I was like, no, nope. This is the story here is that Eddie's a heel and Mastiff's a face. And these are two guys having a match. But especially with. Dennis doing all of these feats of strength on Mastiff, the psychology of this was off. You have to assume that when a guy who is, um, shall we say lean, is lifting a a person who is not lean, the natural response of a crowd is, whoa, wow, I can't believe he did that. He did the black hole slam on Mastiff. That was like, whoa. Man. He had like four of these spots where he's lifting up Mastiff, and you're like, who are they trying to get over here? Right. Absolutely. Because that that was the weird thing. I don't mind keeping him strong, but the, the one that did take me out was that first one where he picks him up and he kind of shakes his knees. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. That, that, that was I went, oh, come too cute on. by half. That they was tried too to save half. it on, on commentary with, oh, look, his knees buckled. I went, no, that was just, that was, that was not a strong choice there. I laughed. I liked the match. I thought I thought they both worked well. I liked the viciousness of it. It was just a weird watching it. You know, at, after I digested, it, I went, "Man, the story they were telling there is Eddie Dennis is really strong." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like Eddie Dennis had a competitive match. Okay, like I, I enjoyed it. I, I had to kind of shut my brain off and not think about it in terms of the bigger picture, but. For what was in front of my eyes while I was watching the match. Yeah, dude, like that was a fun no DQ match. It wasn't like gratuitous on the plunder. Like I thought the stairs were well used, the table was well used. I I liked it, but I didn't really understand what we were trying to do. In a shock to me, Tony Storm defeated Rhea Ripley for the NXT UK Women's Championship. Fun match. I I, I wouldn't say it was a great match. It was a good match. Um, for me, I think they kicked out finishers a little bit too much, but that's me. Yeah, I got a little too WWE at the end of the match where we you kick out of your finisher, and I'm going to kick out of my finisher. Yeah, yeah, a little too and much. And it seems like that's the only way they can build drama anymore. I'd I'd really like to see a one fall match with no kickouts or anything, just just once, just to kind of. Well, this is where almost... these two younger talents are a little bit exposed, right? Like like you would like to see them go deeper into their bag of tricks, but they're young, so they don't well, have that. Like, they're still Tony really good. Does. Yeah. Like, to- well, to- okay. but, but, see, they took away Tony's fi- original. She does, like, a pile driver on the indies. And okay. they, she can't do that. So this is a – but Rhea Ripley is young, and she's she doesn't have a lot in the arsenal per se. But, I mean, I, they have more in the arsenal, but they want to limit them to a few set of moves so that they can tell a certain story. You know, the story wasn't bad. I, I, I don't think, um, but, uh, uh, you know, I think both remain strong. I don't think Rhea Ripley lost Oh, it didn't hurt Rhea Ripley one bit. No, 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 no. And I'm hoping that they put her in the uh, women's rumble. I'm hoping I'm hoping a few of these people from the U.K., I'm like, Walter I'd like to see in the men's rumble. I'd like to see Rhea Ripley and Tony Storm in the women's rumble. Um, maybe Ginny as well. Uh Ripley could be really good on the main roster. Like a Ripley and Oscar feud would be good, and also would be a good way for Ripley to get some seasoning. If, well, I mean, if they ever turn her baby face, she's also you know she's a six foot tall, very attractive blonde woman. She's gonna do fine on the main roster. 
Um, and then finally, Pete Dunne beating Joe Coffey by submission. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was botches falling off the top rope to the floor twice or if it was meant to do that for dramatic purposes. First one worked for me. The second one, I went, okay, guys, stop that. <laughs> um, but overall, I, I mean, I, I don't mind long matches because I was raised on long matches. I understand the uh, I understand the criticism because, uh, you know, when was the last time a main event match goes 34-15? You could feel it was 34-15, though. It lost steam. That 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 when I say it was too long, it's it's not long because I look at the clock and go, ah, we've arrived at minute thirty three and we have now hit the point of longness. Long is when momentum starts to drain out. Yeah. Uh so and then afterwards, of course, Walter debuts. Um very excited. Walter if you've never seen him live, I highly suggest that if he's in the States doing a card, uh, you go see him because he just chops the hell out of people. I mean, just it, it's just vicious stuff. I watched a match between him and Zack Sabre Jr., and I thought I thought Zack's chest was going to be concave by the end of it. Well, there you go. This is going to be my first uh, Walter Angle. Uh, I've seen, like, isolated matches of the guy, but I, I've never actually seen him involved in angles and storylines, so I'm looking forward to it. So... Uh, NXT, since we've already been through 205. Absolutely. We need to talk about this hot new young team, the Metro Brothers. <laughs> no, we don't need to talk about the Metro Brothers. Oh, come on. We need to talk about the Metro Brothers. The Metro Brothers, who to me look like a cross between the new breed and the mod squad. Uh, <laughs> a little bit of Dash like- and Domino or Deuce and Domino in there, too. Yeah, we can throw a little bit of that. We can throw a little bit of them. Um... I uh, I liked the interesting callback that the Street Profits debuted against the Metro Brothers originally. Oh, did they really? I di- I didn't realize that. That's funny. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, but yes, the Street Profits come out. Uh, I <laughs> I was a little uh, I don't know. Were they teasing something with that uh, with that shove? Between uh, Angelo and and uh, Montez, or did they just? Uh... No, I uh, honestly, I I hate to say it, but I, I I think that that's just part of what the Street Profits zany antics and shtick is going to be like. Like they will occasionally have like skits within their enhancement matches. Look, Montez Ford, longtime favorite of this show. Um, I I think, wow, well, I I mean, it's a shame. And, and Rob said on his part, and we've we've discussed it before, but it's a shame that they have Ricochet on this roster because Montez Ford is what they want. They wanted their own Ricochet, and I think they, he was kind of in that slot. And between there's somewhere he's now somewhere in between Velveteen Dream, who is a little bit taller and bigger, and Ricochet, and and you know if you want to put a full evolutionary chart, Leo Rush. On on the on the far left, you know it, he's going to be stuck in this team for a while. Um, but I, I want them to have it. I hope they have a match on the pre-show of this NXT Phoenix where they really pull something out because they haven't been in front of that big crowd, big time thing, and really let the shackles off of Montel Montez Ford. I think 
I think Dawkins is really, really underrated and underappreciated because Montez Ford is so charismatic. But I think as Dawkins a team, is like more charismatic than you would think, which sounds yes. kind of paradoxical because charisma should be something that one should be able to perceive. But like he has moments in these promos where he's actually quite good. It's, I mean, the issue with this the street profits gimmick is that it's still overproduced. It's not authentic, and and they they need to have more direction on making this thing feel less wild and zany and more true. And perhaps a. Uh problematic spot soon coming because they are will be feuding with the forgotten sons who <laughs> when you uh juxtapose the two gimmicks yeah okay <laughs> um, yeah 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 it, it, you feel a tension there i i, I yeah. think is a fair way to say it it's not uh, like the writing is you know trying to touch this note at all but i i mean it, it's hard not to see it. The Forgotten Sons, for those well, for those who may not know, who may not, you know, but you probably do. The Forgotten Sons are uh, Caucasian, uh, a biker gang, uh, a little bit of your uh, hillbilly type the, of biker gang. There's a bit gang. of good old boy vibe that they throw off, not deliberately, but it's definitely there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed the... Uh, the showdown between Bianca Belair and Shayna Baszler. Uh, I wanted a little bit more from Bianca in this. I think she kind of had to hit her lines, but there were a couple moments there where they were staring at each other where I was like, when Shayna says, I want you to fight me, I go, I want this to be the most physical, beat each other up girl fight in NXT women's history. Yeah, no, I I really like this. Uh, I I I think that Shayna Baszler is a really really great trash talker. She's such a good heel. And Bianca is doing a very good job keeping her cocky confidence but keeping it babyface at the same time. And yeah, yeah I, that's, that's I, I like inter- this. That's been an interesting tightrope because she is a heel. Um and uh you know what? It's going to be interesting if she, when she uses the hair on Shayna, how people react to it. I, you said she's a heel. I, I, I think you may need to re-examine that. I don't know that that's true anymore. She's not a heel in this feud, but she is a heel. I mean, she was a heel in the entire build of this thing. Right. Uh, I and Sasha Banks for a very long time was also yes. a heel, but yes, uh, and it's the same. Know. It's the same kind of thing too. The crowd babied her. Yeah, right, and they latch on to the boss character, and I think they they have latched on to Bianca as the EST. But they, but moreover, she's also given enough promos now too, where there is babyface content in her want to be the best. I'll tell you what I liked best about about the Bianca part is that she made the verbiage her own, and it felt you know how we say that street profits have a problem with authenticity from time to time in terms of the gimmick. I don't think Bianca had the problem of authenticity. She had one promo. really good line in this promo, and I can't think of it. Oh, God. We went over the Gargano-Umberto Carrillo match. Strong match, I thought. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, m- more of the conflicted heel-slash-babyface Johnny. I like this character a lot. I think it's a lot of fun. I think it might be going over a handful of people in the audience's heads, though, but, but I like this character a lot. Dominic Dijakovic and... Uh, Brazilian Adrian 
I don't know how to say his last name. I want to say Jowd. Jowd, I believe it is. This, uh, you want to talk about long. This is nowhere near as long as the NXT UK main event, but boy, did this overstay its welcome. I don't understand that. This is another one where the guy they're trying to get over, they're trying to, they're trying to protect Adrian here for some reason. I mean, he look, he's a great martial artist. I get that. I, li- I like him. He, I, I see something with this guy, but, man, you oh, got to no, decide what... great you got to figure matches. out what you're doing this week, right? You yeah. know, like, like what are we doing in the next 10 minutes here? Are we getting over Jowd or are we getting over Dijakovic? Um, and, and you got to decide. Or Isn't it Dijakovic? Dijakovic, yeah. yeah, no, yeah they're but, trying, but, but, yes, and they're trying yeah. to have it both ways. They're trying to have it be a squash, but not too much of a squash so that we can protect this guy for later. And it's coming off bad for both. And I, I really... It's a trend. Even Moro and- can't save it by saying like, "Oh, this is a great experience for Dijakovic to learn how to do submission holds and get himself back into his power base." Like Moro tried, God love him, but uh, like, I mean, dude, there wasn't much to work with. Yeah, and it's so weird that, that you know they they know better than this, so it's it's kind of odd. Yeah, this is bad fundamentals. And then the only other thing I can remember from from the show was the uh, the War Raiders promo, which I thought was okay. I, 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 I didn't. What about Keith Lee and Cassius? Oh, oh no, that's right. <laughs> that's right. We had that. Um, Where are you at on this? I I prefer if you're gonna do this, you do the blood sport angle. You have Cassius Ono just beat the crap out of Keith Lee in front of Matthew Riddle. And Matt can't save him, as opposed to the ball shot. Yeah, I thought that did nothing, and uh, even with the callback... But you don't do that angle with Keith Lee if you see something in Keith Lee, either. Right, right. Well, and and I think the one thing that I will applaud Percy for and whoever was writing, because at least it was thoughtful, um, but it's not enough to save it, was the note that this is how Cassius Ono lost to Hideo Itami. That th- this is the exact spot. Yeah, and so I liked that. Uh, and Percy was like, he's become the thing he hates now. So I I like that. It makes the ball shot purposeful, but I agree with you. What Ono needed to do there was something kind of more ruthless. I, I mean, yeah, obviously he, he can't win straight up, especially if you're trying to protect Keith Lee, but he should have just ambushed Keith Lee on the ramp. I'm trying to make it work. In, in, the, in the parlance of, of what they, they want to do with this. Okay, you hit him in the nuts, referee sees it and kind of warns him, rolls him back in the ring, and he just starts stomping on him and stomping on him, stomping on him. And that's the time where, look, it's the worst finish in professional wrestling, the DQ for kicking too much ass one, which, uh, it, it, but that's a time where you could use that and it would be effective, I think, after the ball shot because you have to cheat to get there as opposed to him just beating the crap out of Keith Lee. What was the match? Oh, you know what? To go back to Humberto Carrillo Buddy and Buddy Murphy, you know yeah. what I hate? I, I Here's hate what it. I don't like. I I think you know what I'm about to get at. I don't like the idea that you can like fake a leg injury in a match where you're supposed to have a standing 10 count. Like The way it should get played out is if you've got a leg injury, the ref should start counting. You have 10 seconds to stand up. Because if you can't stand, you can't fight, and they call off the match. Yeah. Uh, you, Arn Anderson used to do a thing where he tried to call timeout during a match all Oh, that the time. was funny, though. That was great. And, and it never worked. I, I hate this. I, if, if a guy can't move, 
that's an advantage for the other guy. It's not a time to go, go wait in your corner while we tend to him. I, I think that's, it kills the flow of any match. It killed the flow of that match. Absolutely. Especially. Absolutely. Because everyone knows what's coming. We all know that Buddy Murphy is going to get there. So, I, I mean, this is the other way. The The twist here is then you the ref starts implementing the 10 count, and Buddy Murphy has to decide if he's going to keep selling the injury or if he's going to stand up and fight. Yeah, I, 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 I cannot stand. I can't stand the injury. We have to stop the match. No, that's it's up to the opponent, the other person. Either you wave off the match like UFC and say he can't continue right, anymore. Right, right. Or the other person gets the advantage of having a injured opponent to have an easier pinfall. You can't have it both ways. I mean, you can't have it the way where it's like, nope, we're going to give this heel time to heal. You know, all that other, or a baby face time to heal and get back on their feet. That, that just, that just, it's ridiculous to me. So to go back to Keith Lee and Cassie Sono, now that I've got that off my chest, I, I thought these guys worked their asses off in terms of like throwing each other around. I mean, these are big men taking big bumps, but oh yeah, something was n- not fully spirited in this match. Um, but yeah, the the, the ball shot really kind of took me out of it. I e- even with the narrative wraparound that Percy Hawkins gave on commentary. So anything on two hundred five live that we missed? What was the opening match? Uh, Oh, Oh, Leo Rush. Leo Rush. Okay, so let's talk about this opening match real quickly. Uh, Leo Rush comes out. He says that it's bullshit that the Lucha House Party is able to come out to one-on-one matches with two guys in their corner. He calls his shot on Lindsay Dorado, says to Lindsay Dorado, you can't beat me without those two guys out there who are usually helping you out, which is sort of true. And then he proceeds to beat Lindsay Dorado. Like, boy, that was that was overkill. It felt like to me at least. It made or, or a better way of putting it is it made Leo Rush look very, very, very strong. <laughs> I don't know about that. I, I liked the match. Um, I was trying to get the contrarian spit up. Yeah, I I, I like the match. I like the more vicious Leo Rush. I do too. I, I I think you know what? If you really wanted to do something, have Bobby Lashley come out with Leo, and be his hype man here. <laughs> well, it's certainly. Oh, here here's a better idea, Jeff. If the Lucha House Party shows up three to one at these matches, why doesn't he say I've got one man who's the size of two to stand there in my go. corner? Yeah. Boom. Okay, no, that, that's that's fine. Um, and then they did a little bit more table setting for the four four way. I liked the promos. Uh, I liked the Aria Davari promo for Hideo Itami. I thought that was quite cool uh, into the camera. And, and uh, don't know, no, don't care it, about what's happening between Tony Nese and Noam Dar. Oh my god! And it was so forced. So, yeah, but you lost. Yeah, but you lost. Yeah, but you lost. I'm like. Do we know how to make people likable anymore? <laughs> <laughs> it's a question that's very meta these days. No, Noam Dar is one of the most hateable people on on any show he's on. I just I can't get into him. Even when he went did the special special run on NXT UK, I'm just like I know they're trying to rebuild him, 
but he just comes off douchey to me anywhere he is. So he's just got a very punchable face. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. So. I, 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 he's just someone. I, I'm sure he's a nice guy. I, I assume I, I have no value judgment on him at all. But like you know, some people you see and they have a face you just don't like. And Dar has one of those, which can be very, very productive in this business. Well, kids, it's the last weekend of freedom before the road to WrestleMania begins. Enjoy your time off. You can follow me at Crap Game 13. You can follow the show itself at Shake Them Ropes. You can follow Chris at Chris Novembrino. Chris, go ahead and plug your other projects, por favor. Other shows include Don't Worry About the Government, which you can find at Don'tWorry.tv, and the All in the Family podcast, which you can find at the All in the Family podcast.com on iTunes and on Stitcher. So go and check it out. If you want to give us a little bit of a tip, a little couple of ducats for all the uh, audio content we're giving you, patreon.com slash shake them ropes. We'll see you next week for our Royal Rumble and NXT Phoenix takeover preview. Tessa, what I'm going to do, I promise I love you so much. I wrote you a little poem, Tessa, and I memorized it. Roses are red, violets are blue. Tessa, I love you. I love you, baby. Come back to me. I'm going to beat you to death next week, Bill Dundee. <laughs>